2: This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not contain or replace your own financial, tax, legal or financial product advice. Hello Australia, Glenn James here. Welcome to My Millennial Money. We've got a bonus episode today and what do you do when you don't know what to do? You get a guest host for the show. I'm introducing today, Queenie. Hello, Queenie. How are you?
0: Thank you so much for having me on the show. Long-time listener, first time meeting you in person. It's so great to meet you.
2: Well, thanks for being part of the podcast today. So, you know, we just did an episode on your YouTube channel. So, do you want to explain to everyone what your YouTube channel is?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, I started it during COVID. It was one of those COVID hobbies, but it's always been something that I've been super passionate about. I've always wanted to make a YouTube channel around personal finance because I'm super passionate about it. So, I guess the idea behind it was I just wanted to reach more people, make money, not a taboo topic because I think in our society, people are a bit uncomfortable to talk about money and I think that we shouldn't be. You know, we should be out there sharing our strategies, sharing our tips and helping other people do well as well. So, that's Could what I'd like to share on more. my channel. Sorry. <laughs>
2: no, no, no. That's I'm just agreeing with you. All right. So, if we're going to start this episode now, I'll throw it to you, you can do an intro, you can say whatever you want, my millennial money, and you can introduce me as a guest. And and for everyone listening, uh, Queenie put up in the Facebook group some questions, and I've pretty much said, just ask whatever you want, don't care. And yeah, we'll see where this thing goes.
0: Yeah, some really interesting questions. So <laughs> <All right. laughs> I'm really excited to ask you some of these, some really hard-hitting questions as well. All right,
2: so over to you, go from the top.
0: Welcome to My Millennial Money, this is Queenie and I've taken over the episode. I'm here with Glenn James, the host of My Millennial Money and I'm going to be grilling him with some of your questions from the Facebook group of My Millennial Money. Some of these questions are, yeah, very interesting so I'm really excited to share some of his responses to them. So just to kick it all off, Glenn, can you tell us a little bit about your story and when was a time in your life that you struggled and how did you pull yourself out?
2: Um. Well, it's real deep. Start with an easy one.
0: Uh,
2: every morning's a struggle. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Uh, biggest struggle. Struggle. Gosh, I would think, and I talk about it a lot, but I think my own personal journey in my twenties, um, finding out what the hell am I going to do with my life. I it was a struggle. It's like I don't know what I want to do. I don't know anything. I'm not talented. I. I'm not good at anything. I had undiagnosed mental health issues or I just thought was the norm. And I think for me, the, the light at the end of that tunnel was having a mentor who said, oh, no, you're actually good at uh, this because I was working in financial advice. You could actually do that yourself. And then because I was 25 at the time and there's a lot of people that are 25 years old and less listening, uh, sometimes we as 25-year-olds, if I can refer to me as that for one moment, Because we just haven't had that longevity in life, we just don't know what we don't know. And all we know is what we do know. And sometimes what we do know is just, oh, I don't know anything. So, it's like this real confusing Mm, time. So, it's really um, that struggle for me was from having this deep yearning that I wanted to do something for myself to do something more than just have a nine-to-five job uh, and then transitioning out uh, to be self-employed And then getting through those first five years of self-employed, having like depression and anxiety, just thinking, oh, everyone must just be sad and a mess. Mm. But evidently no one, not everyone is. And Mm. (laughs) you can actually talk to people about it and... Uh, take nice little things called effects every day. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks Pfizer. I don't know who makes effects. Anyway. So yeah. So I don't know. Does that answer your question? You're Yes.
0: The host. No, it absolutely does. I think that I love how you're so open about that as well, because I think that another one of those taboo topics, you know, mental health and it shouldn't be, you know, because we We're all human. We all go through those things, you know, like, and it's so nice to empathize with people about that stuff and share tips and strategies of getting yourself out of that dark place.
2: But it's so funny. It's like, because we're all people, right? Yeah. And everyone's got their thing and Mm. life is truly equal. So as an example, I look at somebody who are really fit and they got abs and I'm like, how do you get out of bed at 6am and go for a run? Like... (laughs) I'm so jealous and they're like, oh, it ain't no thing. I'm just doing this. this. Is what I do. I love it. But they might be looking at me going, oh, it's so cool that you get to just wake up whenever you want and you don't have to be somewhere at 8.30am and you can go to a cafe for breakfast mm. every morning or so whatever that is, like you could have lots of money. You might be single. You might not have a family, but the people with a family and young family, they might have not two cents to scratch together, for Mm. example. So, I think, and then it's like some people might have health issues Mm. and others don't. So, everyone's actually equal. We've all got our thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And the grass is always greener at the end of the day. Like, we always compare ourselves. So, I've got another question here from Rachel. What got you interested in money and finance in the first place?
2: Well, I I think it was... I was, it's funny, like, I often talk to people and ask them about their first money memory. And I look back and my first ever memory, it was, it was kind of two, it was at my nan's house. We were sitting on the back deck. I would have been three years old. I have memories of when I was three years old. Like, I can remember people saying, it's Glennie's three, like, weird. Uh, that's
0: really strange. It is. I know. <laughs> Glenn, he's three. What? <laughs> and I remember
2: running around and saying, stop chasing him. He's only three. Like, <laughs> I remember that. Uh, and I'm self-aware to a fault. Even me saying that sounds weird. Uh, so one of my first three memories about money and life, the first memory was sitting on the back step with Nan. She was reading the newspaper and we were circling all the G's because that's Glenn. But every time I would visit Nan, before we would leave, she would put like 20 cents in our hand. So it's like this, it was always, we left with a gift or he's 20 cents. He's 10 cents. This is for you. So as your first memory, it's this money thing, but also this generosity thing, like mm, it's so yeah. weird. And then my next kind of big memory was probably when I was 11, maybe or 10, I don't actually know the age, That my grandfather said we're on his property up at Gloucester. You know, I had, you know, 30 acres or whatever it was. And he says, oh, I'll give you 50 cents an hour to go and pick the fireweed. And I'm just like, that's a lot of bloody work and a lot of time for 50 cents. Like if I'm out there for two hours, I don't want a dollar at the end of it. No deal. Thanks. But oh, so uh, from a young age, I was self-aware enough to say, okay, so there's money on the table here. And if I look at that money and the value of that money for me, is it worth the trade-off of two hours of my time Mm. when I can just chill and I don't really need that money, I won't change my life that much anyway.
0: Mm. I love that because I'm still learning that as Mm. well, like as I am. So, I think that that's so cool that you had that from such a young age. So, what made you want to start your podcast, My Millennial Money?
2: Yeah, I wanted to... You know, having my financial planning business and a lot of people that come for financial advice didn't actually need financial advice Mm -hmm. as we know it. Yeah. They just needed to know how to handle their money better. Mm. And because financial advice, it's it's really financial product advice, Mm -hmm. which is like, you see a financial advisor, we need to do these things. And yes, there can be some, some strategic advice. But a financial advisor can actually recommend products to achieve your goals. So it could be what investment account do I use and what risk profile and all that. So a lot of time people were coming to me and not actually needing quote-unquote financial product advice. is like, no, you just need to learn how to manage your money and pay down your debt. Like, and it just kept happening. Yeah. And that's why I developed the Glenn James Spending Plan because before I did that, I would just have my spreadsheet and I should actually put it up in the Facebook group. There was, it was like one bit of paper and I had people – uh, write their basic expenses and it had the different accounts and they used to write it in mm. and when I used to do that. And then so I just kept saying over and over the same type of thing. I'm like, oh, I want to do a podcast. Let's just talk about personal finance. Let's just encourage people. I had an interest in tech and podcasting and I wanted to do something online. Uh, so that's, it just kind of was a a natural evolution mm. of my passion, mm. which is always a better thing. like. A few years ago, I feel like I'm doing all the talking, but you are interviewing me, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe in 2016, 15, 14 or 15, 16, I forget, a friend of mine in Sydney, we're like, oh, let's buy a Domino's pizza shop. You know, we get a franchise. <laughs> but it was, it was for the wrong reasons. Like, yeah, we could probably make some money out of it. Yeah. And we didn't do it because we realized that, no, we actually would need to be working in the store and mm. blah, blah, blah. So... If I was already working in a Domino's store and I knew the processes, knew the systems, and I loved it, yeah, sure, I'd buy my mm. own store and it'd be awesome because I'm in that world. Yeah. If I just went in, so I guess for those listening who want to do something on the side as a passion and to make money out of, if it's this organic thing that's within you or around you anyway, mm-hmm. just double down on that rather mm-hmm. than trying to manufacture something. Because if you went to manufacture something and it goes wrong or something happens, you. If it's manufactured, you just uh, stuff its all too hard, and you won't yeah. persevere. And there's a book here, The Dip by Seth Godin, which talks about that.
0: Love Seth Godin. Have He's you ever cool. read that? No, I actually haven't read that oh. one. Yeah,
2: it's a really good book. So, um,
0: it's a short book as well. It is. It's a really. Mm. I
2: read it once a year. Wow. And I haven't told you yet, but I've actually got one for you to take away. And I've, I wrote a little message in the front. Oh, so, thank you so much. So thanks for interviewing me. But so it's that when it gets hard, when the going gets tough. You will stick to it because you've got a passion for it. And then those who stick to it, there's less people around to have that product or service anyway.
0: Mm, yeah. If that makes sense. That totally makes sense. And that really resonates with me because something similar happened to me as well. Like I started this false eyelashes business a couple of years ago. And same with you with the Domino's Pizza story. I, I started it because I was like, yeah, like I buy false eyelashes other people buy false eyelashes. I know how to build websites. I know how to do marketing. I'm going to make heaps of money from doing this. So I started it. It was all going well. But um, yeah, when the going gets tough, I was just like, you know what? Like makeup isn't a passion of mine. It's not something that excites me. The reason I started this business was because I wanted to make some money out of it. And when it started to get too hard, I just found myself losing interest and thinking about other business ideas or whatever. And But I've never felt like that since I started my YouTube channel and I think it is because it's something that I've always wanted to do and I have this really deep passion for it and I totally get what you're saying. I think that that's one of the mistakes people make when they start a business. They don't have that passion, they Mm. don't have that burning desire and you really do need to have that if you want your business to be successful because if you don't have that, you'll just give up. Totally. You
2: know? and, and that's like, not everyone will run their own business and that's totally okay. But how can you double down on your work, on mm. your place of employment? How can you add the value that way to get more money out of that? So, I think it's um, it's just that underlying thing of just don't do stuff for the end result of, oh, I think that'd be an easy cash grab. Yeah. Because it never works.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. And on that topic... Oh, we've got another question. I know, yeah, I know. We've got so many questions. I just wow. want to make sure that we get through all of these. So, what's involved in starting a successful podcast?
2: Listen to season one of My Millennial Money and do the complete opposite.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love how you have in your description of your podcast, like, please don't listen to season one. Like, Yeah. It's oh. just...
2: Well, like, people will listen... And people will do a current review based on an episode that's two years ago. Yeah. They're like, oh, no, they talk too much crap or whatever. They <laughs> probably still do. But there was episodes at the season one where we uh, we would talk for 15 minutes at the start without getting into the money topic. Mm. And, yeah, there's a heap of listeners who like the bands and the fun and the entertainment. Yeah. But there's also people that are just like, well, it's a money podcast. Tell me money stuff. Mm. So, to do a successful podcast, well… I think it's a different game than it was two years ago. I think the actual listening times are less. So, if you are going to start a podcast, I'd probably stick to around the 35 minutes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of our episodes go up to an hour, but we usually cap out at 45 if possible. Mm -hmm. Um, You want to, we, where possible, try and get to the meat of the conversation within three minutes. Mm -hmm. Because no one actually cares about the catch-ups. So, what we've done, we've put the after party in, all the crap that people want to be interested in, like if they want to be interested in me telling John about how is it the, I don't know, service New South Wales and there was a, an old man annoying me or something <laughs> trivial like that. Yeah. We put that at the very end. So yeah. we scratch all the itches, but yeah. we kind of stack it in the right order. We didn't have our tech nailed at the start. So mm-hmm. our audio quality is a lot better now. And even, so we're, um, we're doing a little bit more remote stuff lately and, we've got some other podcast stuff coming up that I can't say now because it's not finalized, but I've sent like a portable Zoom recording unit and a microphone to interstate. And then when we record the podcast, we talk on Google Hangouts or whatever, and that we're recording it to the local good quality microphone and then we just send the file. So with podcasting, audio is everything. And it's got to be this blend of good quality audio, Good quality content, straight to the point. Um, How to do a good podcast as well. I personally hate ads. Like, there's this podcast. Let me just find it (laughs) if you want to start to look for your next question while I'm looking at this. Yeah, yeah, There's a podcast. I saw it the other day. Where is it? New and Noteworthy. It was about, oh, it was the Wondery One, I think, and it was about the, like, the Tony Robbins type people. And there was a guy in America who basically he was a motivational speaker, and he ended up murdering somebody on a oh. motivational camp or something what? like that. And I'm like, oh, that sounds really interesting. But within, oh, I can't even find what it's called. Um, where is it? Uh, anyway, but it was just like so many ads at the start. And I'm just like, give me a break! I hate ads. So, for me, it was not vlogging ads. And that's why mm-hmm. like Sun Super, our show partner, I really wanted to do show partner. So, it was like just long-term partnership. We will thank them, give them a shout-out. They got a good product. We, But it's not this ad, 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 ad. Yeah. Now, just on that, if you are listening or watching on YouTube, I'm looking at the camera at you, <laughs> um, we are making some changes so – some of our back catalogue. So if you're a regular listener, it probably won't affect you. Uh, But any older podcasts, like later than three months, we might have some ads in the back because, and I will do another update probably after this podcast about some stuff that's happening that we've got to um, pay for. But um, yeah, so you've just got to, and as well always ask your audience what they want. Mm. I'm always asking the group. Yeah. And the difference with like My Millennial Money and... So there's a podcast, let me just, I'm just having a look at the charts. Just where's the, um, just talk amongst yourself, everyone. So like some of these podcasts, like, so for example, the Hamish and Andy one, and I haven't listened to some of them. Um, Shameless, that's a good example-ish. Some of these bigger brands, like the Mamma Mia podcasts, some of the podcasts, it's, it's different. So... The difference that I've done with my podcast and what I wanted to create, it's not just Glenn doing content and just putting it out there. I wanted to make a podcast for the community. Mm. So, it is community-led almost. We go back to the community. What do you want us to cover? What do you want us to cover? Yeah. And and it was weird. Like, a lot of people listen to Shameless and they shut down, for whatever reason, their Facebook group. Really? Um, And I think it was getting feral. Mm. So... One side of it, maybe they've changed the strategy that we're not making it as, and I don't know, I'm just making something up to prove a point. It's not so much a community-driven thing. It's more Mm. of a we're putting out content. Yeah. So for me, it's always, and even in our My Millennial Career podcast, we've done surveys to the group along the way just so we can nail the content
3: Mm.
2: as much as possible. And I know for a fact you can't please everyone. Some of the reviews that we get, it's like, oh, my gosh, like you you don't realize that it's not all about you. But, yeah. but often a lot of the hard reviews, they're not the hardcore fans anyway. It's just someone who's dropped in for one episode and gone, yeah. oh, Glenn's an arrogant asshole. This is ridiculous. And then they've moved on. So, yeah, yeah you just can't please everyone. That's what I'd say as well. Sorry, yeah. that was a bit of a tangent. No,
0: no, no. I think it's really important to know, like it's so important to know your audience and create content for them because if you want people to tune in to your content you need to know your audience, and you need to ask them what they want to see.
2: Yeah, and that, and that's it. It's like we're not new; we're not old school, old media where we're just pumping out content that's consumed. Yeah. We're having conversation.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: Uh, and like, there's so many people in the Facebook group that I see your names come up all the time, and I'm like, oh yeah, there's old mate, or there's her from there, and yeah, blah blah blah. So
0: it's like you you become friends with them, you know? Totally. So, okay, this question came up quite a lot mm. in the My Millennial Facebook group. Gosh. This is from Amy. Up, Any Amy? tips or advice for people wanting to enter a financial planning career?
2: Listen to an episode that we've got coming up Ooh. with Courtney. Who's, you heard it here first. Yeah, she's a listener of the show. I think her name's Courtney Dawes. Sorry, Courtney, if you're listening. So, Courtney Dawes, yeah, she's in Sydney. She's a financial advisor and we're going to talk about her journey to becoming a financial advisor.
3: Hmm, very cool.
2: Because I don't know now because I'm old and I became a financial advisor and have since stopped being one. I first was licensed in 2008, so I'm a dinosaur. So
0: Not a dinosaur, now, Well, like, in terms of
2: the industry, we're better to listen to Courtney's episode and it might come up, I think the way we're recording it this coming Monday, so this episode that we're doing now might be before it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's coming up soon. It's in our world.
0: Stay tuned, guys. And this one from Joshua.
2: Hey, how Josh. did
0: you transition from your 20s to your 30s by finding your feet financially and professionally and also maintaining your mental health? It's a loaded question.
2: Uh, very difficult, difficultly. I <laughs> can't <laughs> even speak. It was difficult. Yeah. Can I read that? Just yes. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, Josh, how did you transition from your 20s to 30 by finding your feet professionally? Yeah, I think it came with age mm. and... So, it really, the older we get, the more confident we are within ourselves. Yeah. So, I was like, yep. And I was actually thinking this morning, you know how, like, when you have a shower, you got all these thoughts. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm thinking, like, I'll call, like, someone who's, you know, 21, you know, or 18 or 19, Mm. like, hey, kids, or something like, I don't know, hey, kid, like, just as a throw off thing, because I'm obviously a lot older than 18 years old. I'm just wondering, like, when I'm 80 or 90 years old am I calling someone who's 35 or 36 a kid? Yeah, and I, probably, I think it, maybe. So, so I think just as we get older, we always look back and go, I had no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I was difficult with the mental health thing because I wasn't running at a hundred percent. I was probably mm-hmm. running at 60 or 50 percent and mm-hmm. didn't know it. Yeah. So that added another layer. And I think if, if my mental health was sorted when I was – because I remember, like, when I was 18 and 19 and 20, I can remember, like, exactly where I was and the time of year and I was so depressed. Like, this – it's hard to explain how deep, the deep, this void of – it's ugh,
3: It's mm. so bad.
2: And I just thought this is normal. Yeah. But it's not. And yeah. So, yeah, because hindsight's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it probably would have been a different journey, but I mean, like anything, we've all got our challenges and we we'll mm. all get through. Uh, so, professionally, it was more of a time thing and a confidence. Like, mm. I actually do know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Ish. Um, <laughs> ish. <laughs> well, it's funny. It's like I had a client who, uh, he was a medical specialist, earned $2 million a year because I knew a bit of his situation before oh, I wow. met with him. I think I was 26 or 27. I had uh, braces put on late because I wanted to just fix my teeth mm-hmm. um, because I wanted to. And then I'm like, oh, I've got to go to this guy's surgery and meet with him. And he earned like $2 million a year and I'm a 26-year-old and I don't know anything. But then I'm like, no, hang on. I know nothing about kidneys or dialysis. He was mm-hmm. a kidney specialist. And he, because I was going to to do his income insurance and all that, mm-hmm. and he knows nothing about insurance. No, I'm the bloody professional in this situation. Yeah. Like I'm flipping it, baby. Exactly. So it was for the twenties to thirty transition. It was more of a self confidence in like, oh no, I actually do know what I want about. And this doctor who's really wealthy and really intelligent actually has no idea what I'm what I know. He's so, just a person. Yeah. You know? Totally.
0: But we're all just people. We're all just
2: people hanging out exactly. on a speck of dirt in the middle of infinity.
0: Yeah, exactly. No, I, I completely agree. Sometimes I, I also get in my own head thinking like, oh no, like this person's going to judge me or I'm not good enough, etc. But then when you start to realize that, yeah, everyone's just a person, totally. you know, like we're all pretty and no much the above same. no one's anything. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Life gets easier. Mm. Okay, so what are your future financial and personal go- goals, both long and short-term? From Bridie, by the way.
2: Bridie. Hey, Bridie. So, future and... Can I just read that? Oh, yes. Sorry. No, no, I just need to comprehend. <laughs> yes, of future course. Future slash personal goals, long and short Yeah, so short-term personal goals. This morning, I signed up to a gym because I got to the point in... I've hit rock bottom. Of
0: you have not no, 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 like, <laughs> no. Let
2: me finish. Let me finish. More like it's actually funny. So those convinced against their will are of the same opinion still, right? So mm-hmm. you can't convince someone against their will because it just doesn't do anything. Mm. And I know my personal health probably hasn't been the best. Like in terms of BMI, I'm overweight. In terms of I need to lose some weight because I've got sleep apnea. And they like, yeah, just lose ten kilos will probably sort itself out. You know, I've had eight ankle operations, so I get sore ankle and it's like I just need to lose weight. So all these medical people are saying to me, lose weight. Mm. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm not ready yet because Mm. I'm lazy and I can't be bothered. So (laughs) it was actually like if you keep this camera angle on and Pablo, uh, Queenie's partner, is helping our cam off on this episode.
4: Yeah. Like
2: when I turn my neck in some of the episodes, I see my neck. And when I watch like if I have to look at a replay, because I don't really watch most of the videos, obviously, because that's dumb and creepy. But <laughs> if I see myself, <laughs> I see my neck and I'm like, that looks like I'm getting fatter. And I'm just, so anyway, no. I'm no, I'm just being like
1: yes.
0: so
2: I'm just like, Okay, I need to now get healthy. So that's my personal short term goal.
0: Yeah, I believe in you. You Thank can you. do it. Thank you. You've already taken the first step. I have
2: I've hitting rock bottom. Um, now, okay, so personal longer term, I don't know, just keep doing what I'm doing and have a better balance in my life. I probably got a boundary problem with work. Like today when I went out for breakfast, I'm like, you know what? I'm not taking my laptop today. I'm just going to go and enjoy coffee, some food. I took a pen and paper just in case I wanted to scribble and dream. And then I saw a guy there who's hadn't seen for a while and we just, It was an impromptu little catch-up. So, yeah, short-term probably getting some personal boundaries and balance in my life. Mm. I think my life's out of balance in terms of health, money and lifestyle.
4: Mm.
2: Trying to get that balance right. Uh, Longer-term financial, I want to make Simo Interactive, which is the company that I guess owns My Millennial Money, My Millennial Money Express, My Millennial Career, My Millennial Property you to you, you to me, you to us, the sexual health podcast, and there's a few other podcasts and crap that's coming your way, y'all. Um, <laughs> it's to get that, uh, and my millennial career, did I mention that?
0: I think you did. I think I did. Yeah. It
2: was the, Anyway, all our online stuff. stuff, uh, longer-term financial for me to be on less podcasts. Mm-hmm. So just because I'll probably get sick of it, so I need to build a, a an organisation that, is bigger than just Glenn James. Mm. Uh, like I love my millennium money and the express it will always be me. But, yeah, so probably to build the business better and mm. that's to have good people in the team that, you know, if I help build the structure that they can flourish in the structure that I've built. Mm. And, yeah, and then longer term financial, maybe some other businesses that are not podcasty or media. Stuff And to get through, get this podcast business off the ground and sustainable. Hmm. So, we make money, but I invest it all back into itself.
0: Mm. Yeah. Those are some great goals. And I think I love what you touched on regarding like setting up your business and making it really scalable. Mm. Because like obviously it's working and doing all the right things. But yeah, how can you make it bigger than you? you know, and self-sustaining.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And that's what you kind of want because it's like, how can you make a brand that's legacy? Yeah. And it was funny. I I did a, oh, I think 2017, maybe I did a, a week study tour at Stanford university and we went there and it was a week and the, the course I did was strategic leadership. And it's like the lecturers who lectured the guys who made Google were lecturing us. And oh, like wow. we did a marketing, uh, half day with the lady who was obama's head of marketing and like oh, wow. just top end people like yeah. just crazy and that week changed my life in terms of the way I saw business and one of the business leaders were you can't lead by example because if you lead by example the people that you lead can only lead up to where you're at mm. so his whole thing was leadership by design. So, what does that mean? Well, uh, if you lead by design, you you create a system and a framework for those that you lead to flourish. So, um, like my millennial career, I want that podcast to be just flourishing awesome, but it's just based on the framework that I've built
1: mm-hmm. because
2: I can't lead uh, Shell and M yeah. to be good career girls. I don't know nothing about HR.
1: Yeah.
0: But
2: I can build a framework and yeah. I can lead the team to flourish. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you can build that vision and that direction, you know, but then in terms of like giving them all of those like small like direction, you can't do it because no. you're not, you know, I don't know in a million yeah. places at once. You totally. know Totally. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. And okay, so this is a funny question. Oh, I loved this question so much.
2: And I told everyone in the group, and I haven't actually read all the questions that came in. Um, I just said nothing's off limits. I don't care.
0: Yeah. And this question is hilarious. I love it. Okay. So, from Mark, what is your stance on sandals and stocks? Pragmatic winter footwear or fashion crime?
2: I'm probably going to lean on fashion crime.
0: Yes. Same. <laughs> Same.
2: <laughs> yeah. that's. I'm just going to leave it at fashion crime.
0: And... Does tomato sauce belong in the fridge or yep, pantry? Yep, fridge. I agree. Yep. Like totally fridge.
2: But it's weird because the bottle says not to fridge it. Really? I'm pretty sure.
0: I thought it was the opposite. I oh, thought really? you're supposed to fridge it. Tell hey. us, let us know in the, in hey, the group. Pablo,
2: do you want to go for a quick run?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, it's, um, yeah, you go have a look. Yeah, let's.
0: I'm curious yeah, now. It's
2: just, It's in the fridge, obviously.
0: Yeah, and you guys should let us know as well in the comments and in the Facebook group, which one you do. Yeah. Yeah. And, okay, what is the worst haircut you've ever had? Oh, Oh my God, your face just like. No, I I looked up
2: because we're actually sitting in my garage and before I turned it into a studio, I used to have photos of – Oh, I've got a bottle here of tomato sauce. I used to have photos of me as a child, but I think the worst haircut I've had is probably my shaved head now because I miss my locks. Where are we? Oh, no. No, you're right. Uh, remove under cap and remove the fresh and seal and then refrigerate after opening. Hey. Yeah. So, everyone, if you don't fridge your sauce, you're wrong. <laughs> You're breaking the law.
0: Literally. It says it right there on the bottle. Yeah. Who but, wants to argue with Master Foods?
2: Well, I certainly don't. But it's weird. I usually don't have sauce in my house just mm. because it's just full of salt and sugar. Mm. But I had it once because I think I had my niece and nephews over for fish and, oh, chicken and chip sandwiches or something one day. So, I'm like, oh, I'll grab some sauce. But, mm. um, yeah.
0: Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, the more you know. Yes. Okay. Oh, You he, he didn't finish your story about your haircut. Yeah,
2: I, I think <laughs> um, there's probably some shots of me. I mean, there were. Like when I was in like year seven and year nine and stuff, I used to have the undercut. They were like really popular. What's
0: the undercut? You don't
2: know what an undercut no. is. No. So, you have like long hair like down.
3: Oh, your nose, those ones. But, like,
2: and then you shave underneath.
3: Oh.
2: Yeah.
0: That I need to see some photos, kind of like a mushroom.
2: Yeah. Oh, actually, actually, I I was going through old photos the other day. I'll show you this. I actually saved some on my phone, (laughs) and I reckon this fifteen-year-old Glenn here.
0: Wait, is that when you were working in the chemist?
2: Oh no, that was another (laughs) one. That's a good one. I think that might have been an undercut.
0: Oh my gosh!
2: Like, she don't have long hair.
0: You are. You're so happy with your haircut. (laughs) I love it. So, yeah. That's cute.
2: Um, So, that would have been an undercut. But I don't like my shaved head.
0: No, why? It's so you. Well,
2: yeah, I. it's funny. I shaved it. It was so funny. It's like people are like, why would you shave your head? I'm like, well, you want to really know? At the time, it was like this three-pronged thing. Mm-hmm. One, I went through a really bad mental health week. Mm-hmm. And I just like snapped, like
0: like, like, like
1: Brittany,
0: like yeah.
2: I was in Newcastle at the time. I remember going to the uh, the hairdresser. It was like a Thursday night, and I called them at eight p.m. Like, have you got any room? I want to come and shave my head. And I went down <laughs> and like, and then the other kind of um, two thirds was one, I had a motorbike at the time. So I'm like, oh, I'll be better anyway for my motorbike because I won't have to like have helmet hair. Yeah. And then the third one was like, oh, I'm probably going bald anyway, which I am. I'll just change before I have to. So yeah. it was this three-pronged thing.
0: Interesting. Now you're still rocking it. I know. Well, it suits you. Well,
2: it's, yeah. I don't think my hair is coming back anytime soon.
0: I'm so excited for this question. I love asking people this question. Okay. So this is from just, Preet. What was money like growing up? What were your family views about money? If slash how have your beliefs changed over time?
2: Yeah. So growing up, working class family, mum was a pharmacy assistant. Dad was a truck driver for most of my life. It was pretty simple. Like we used to have like family friends that had the brand new cars and mm. they would have all in car loans and um, the credit cards. But mum and dad's philosophy was if we don't have the money, we don't buy it. Mm. Like as simple as that.
0: That's smart. That's yeah. really good.
2: And, you know, it's it's kind of funny. It's like there can be financial stress in people's lives if you don't have um, money, enough money coming in to be at a surplus. So, mm. you just like all the money comes in that we spend it mm. on actual stuff that we need like rent, food, shelter, just like meeting our needs. So, that can be stressful for some people because they can't get that simple luxury of, like, taking the kids to the movies. Because it could be a $100 ordeal to take a family to the movies and by the time you get your overpriced popcorn and all that crap. Mm. But imagine that and then having the debt as well, the stress would be exacerbated. Mm. So, yeah. So, that was kind of the main thing. If you don't have the money, you don't afford it. Mm -hmm. or You can't afford it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, pretty simple. There was no real money. Like we didn't want for anything earlier. I think when we were younger, mum was, I think she kind of went back to the workforce maybe when we were six or seven years old. So those first five years, I mean, she used to make our clothes um, with her sisters and all my cousins would have the same matching type clothes. That is so cute. Yeah. So, but as, and it was really funny, like if you look at the – I really noticed this as well. And as much as it's a – I'm about to say something that is political. It's just an observation. So, whatever. I don't care whoever's into what political party. But seeing the prosperity in mum and dad's life from me being early teens when John Howard came into office. And it, it may have happened, you know, if he wasn't in office for 10 years, like – you know, coming into the mining boom and, um, I think from that kind of 96, 7, 8, those 10 years up to 2011, when Rudd was elected, Australia really saw prosperity
1: mm. and
2: those years growing up because the interest rates really were from like 15, 17, 18% interest yeah. rates kind of happened, um through a bit of a recession in ni- in the early 90s and then like it got to the point where mum and dad, working class, started to do really well. They had an investment property and they mm. paid that off and they were able to buy my sister and myself a car each, like they were t- two 10 grand cars, mm. uh, but still living in the house in suburbia, not yeah. like going beyond their means. Yeah, uh, Dad was self-employed. He changed from truck driver. So I, I noticed that prosperity just, again, observing in my, you know, self-aware nature, uh, the prosperity of Australia, particularly mid-90s into uh, 2010s.
3: Mm. Yeah, that's
0: such an impressive story because I think that my, our money habits, they really do develop from a young age. And it sounds like your family had the right idea about money, you know, like living below their means. And, you know, they, they obviously really cared about money. They we're teaching you the right financial habits by not getting into debt and those yeah. sorts of things. But the
2: problem was, I didn't know I was a spender. Yeah, I didn't have any money. Like, and and again, early twenties, my income was crap anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really know now that my personal nature is I'm a spender. Yeah. And I like realistically, if any of my friends, close friends, if they called me and said, "Oh Glenn, I need five hundred dollars for this," mm. I'd be like, hey, "All right, whatever." Like, yeah. I, yeah, you just can't hold things closely and tight. Yeah. Um, But it goes back to that generosity thing with Nan and yeah. those early those early lessons. But, and yeah. then my mentor, uh, Maka, he was always like, you can't give anything away because it always comes back to you anyway.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: So, I don't know. I've really tried to set up my life that I hold money loosely. Yeah. And I know I'm a spender, so I have to be an investor, not a saver because I can't save money.
0: Yeah. No, that's really cool. It's important to know that early on Mm. and really like nail what kind of financial person you are. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. So this is the final question. Biggest financial regret and proudest money moment.
2: Biggest financial regret would be from an early age, not having been told how to manage my money week on week, like I do with a Glenn James spending plan. Mm. So what do I mean by that? It's like quarantining your money, separate accounts, paying yourself from your uh, employment income into another account, that's your spending money, automatically putting money aside Mm. because the time passes anyway. Yeah. And not having like, when I was like 20, 21, 22, I'd buy like a single stock and then because my money system was crap, if something came up and I wanted to maybe go overseas, I would sell the shares. So. I just didn't build on the right foundation, mm. and that's why it's so important to have a good cash flow structure. Uh, and again, that's why I did the Glenn James spending plan because I was getting all these clients uh, come in like, "We need financial advice." Like, no, you just need to learn how to manage your money. Mm. Like, so yeah. you can pay me three grand to do that, and I'll meet with you for the the next twelve months or whatever we do, mm. or you can pay seventy bucks and just jump online. What do you yeah. want? Like, so. Yeah, that, that's the biggest regret or mistake, not knowing how to manage my day-to-day money. Yeah. And then set up an investment account for the long term. Mm. So, yeah. and biz- Biggest success would be building my financial planning business. Mm. So, it was tough to start with, but, you know, come year three, year four into that, really started to make really good money. Um, and not because, you know, ripping people off of it, but just running a business, having a good scaled business, having good systems and processes, having a good client experience. Like there's a there's an award here. Yeah, 2016 Client Experience Award. Uh, the group that I was in in Australia was like 1,300 advisors. I won over that my whole year, like most – Like, and we surveyed clients, best customer experience. Wow. And it was about having a good customer experience, having good systems and processes – but also knowing what you're doing, that helps. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, my best financial thing I've ever done was build such a good quality business, help a lot of people, make a lot of money. Mm. And then when I sold my financial planning business at the start of last year, getting that um, payment into my bank account. Yeah. And I I would say like I sound like a capitalist pig, but whatever. <laughs> oh, um, God. It, you know, we play oh. the game. Like life's a game, just yeah. play it. It's all yeah. good. No one cares. No one actually cares. Yeah. Look after people. Be generous. Don't yeah. be a scumbag. But I'll play the bloody game. Yeah. And so I think if you are self-employed or if you are in business, you need to be making a good amount of money.
4: Mm.
2: And what do I mean by that? I mean you need to be making so for example, if you're a baker, I always use the word baker, bakery. So, if you're a baker, you might earn, I don't know how much a baker earns, 60, 70 grand a year. That's awesome. But if you own a bakery, you need to be at least making that 60, 70 grand a year. But because you employ people and you risk everything, you need a premium for your risk. Mm. So, you need a higher return because you are carrying more risk than just an employee. Yeah. So, I am unapologetic when I have a business with making good money. Mm. Because the more people you help and the better you help them, you'll make more money. Yeah. If you think I'm wrong, see what Bill Gates made. So if you're wondering, research what company did Bill Gates start? Mm-hmm. You probably would have heard of it.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> what company did Jeff Bezos start? Yeah. Google that. You probably would have heard of it. More people you help, the more you will do, the more better you'll do. Yeah. And that's not to say that everyone needs to print money. If you don't go into business, you. You know, if you're going to business, you have to print money. No, I'm just saying you're probably wasting your time and carrying too much risk yeah. if you aren't making good money. Hmm. Because if you are an employed baker making your 70 grand and you go home, you've got no risk of being sued if someone eats a bit of bad bit of bread or if someone slips in your shop or whatever. Yeah. But if you own the bakery, you need to be making more than that 70K because you are Inherent, more in, you're carrying more inherent risk on your life mm. and that is a customer suing you. That's a customer slipping over. That's just the risk that you carry and you need to be rewarded for that risk.
0: Yeah, totally agree. And then if something happens, you know, you want to make sure that you've set yourself up and your business up in a way that's scalable and you can carry that those risks associated with running a business. Yeah,
2: and, and with, within all that, you always need to be doing three things with your money. Mm. you got to give some, save some, and spend some in that order. Yeah. And I'm in Facebook groups about money and all these people want to invest. I've really asked the question, are you a generous person? Like that's because it actually if you hold money loosely per se, it's like, I don't know. I'm just not going to be tight with my money because I know that money doesn't change my life. Yeah. I, I did a big deal once a few years ago. And I may have shared this story before on another episode, but I did a business deal and I earned 60 grand in the one deal, which is a lot of money as a once-off amount in your bank account. Mm-hmm. And I'm being transparent with everyone. So, yes, I've done well financially. Mm-hmm. Shoot me, sue me. Everyone can as well if you want. You don't have to, but <laughs> I'm being transparent. Wow,
3: you're
0: brave. <laughs> yeah,
2: I know, right? And, I was, and this is the problem, like, I'd like to be transparent to show people that anyone can do anything. Yeah. But you be transparent and people are like, oh, he's not rele- relevant to me because he's got like money. And so I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, shut up. Um, There's <laughs> always I mean, that But that I'm person. even like scared to even put this me saying this up. Yeah. Because it just attracts hate. Yeah. To, but anyway. So, and this is why... It's so important to be generous and to be a giver and to not hold money tightly because it actually doesn't matter. The same day I received basically a 60 grand deal into my bank account, I was visiting my aunt who had six weeks to live. Hmm. So it's like, well, just such a contrast. Yeah. I've got all the money in the world. Oh, who cares? Family member about to die.
0: Exactly. And what can you do as well? Yeah. Like, it's or so an sad. example,
2: like Steve Jobs, all the money in the world- doesn't stop pancre- pancreatic cancer.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: It actually doesn't mean anything. That's yeah, a, that's a case study. You want, you know, you think you've got all the money in the world, you will still die.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It means nothing. It's so true.
2: So that's why I've kind of tempered me using my own personal examples in the podcasts because if I do, it just attracts some hate for whatever reason.
4: Mm.
2: But I just, Hear my heart. Yes, I've done well financially, but yes, I'm generous. Yeah. But yes, I actually know what it's like to be up with anxiety in the middle of the night because I've had no money. So I don't know, sue me.
0: Yeah. (laughs) No, that's such a good takeaway. And I think... And it's probably
2: good to have it at like 45 minutes or whatever it is into the interview because most people, you know, if you really do not like me, you probably aren't listening anyway, so...
0: Exactly. If you made it this far into the episode, thank you for making it this far. Make sure you leave a review Yeah, (laughs) and like it on YouTube if you're watching on YouTube. Yeah, all that stuff. What (laughs) up? What up? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and being so open with us and transparent. I know there were some difficult questions in there, but you really handled it so well.
2: I (laughs) know. And I just want to say thank you to everyone who's part of the My Millennial Money community because I'm just a leader of the community. Like there are so many more people in the community that are more talented in a million different areas, but all my job is is to facilitate a conversation. And, yeah, I'll – and again, like we connected online and I'll I'll talk to anyone really, like – if, you're, if you've got a good story and you want to share it or whatever reason, um, reach out. If it gets through the gatekeeper, you will get on and have a chat. I'm sometimes, because I've got a producer just now, uh, I'm not 100% the gatekeeper, but you never know. I'll, I'll chat with anyone um, because it is your community, the listeners.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, you heard that, guys.
2: Yeah, oh <laughs> Go gosh.
0: on the website, <laughs> yeah. send him an email.
2: <laughs> and we do a few. And like obviously, um, we get heaps of people like, oh, we want to come on and talk about this. And it's like, no, you want to come on to try and sell your freaking product. And yeah. no, because John's a property guy and we don't need your property expertise. Like just stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I've got a, an interview. I saw someone in the Facebook group. She said, oh, I'm doing this. I'm, By the way, I'm a single mum. I'm like, oh, that'd be awesome. And I'm like, come on, have a chat. So, if the shoe fits, the shoe will fit. But, yeah. But, you know, if you've got snake oil, we're probably not that interested. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, do you want to wrap the show up?
0: Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. So, Get thank post. you so much for, for listening to the end, guys. We really appreciate your support. Thank you so much. And I hope you did enjoy this episode. Make sure you do like keep engaging in the community. And like Lena said, you can always reach out to him. Maybe you'll be on the next episode, who knows? You might
2: guest host the next yes, episode. Yes,
0: exactly. So make sure you leave a like on the video, write a review as well, on and iTunes, let us know Apple, your yeah. thoughts as well. What did you think of this interview? Is there anything you'd like us to cover? In the next Am one, I I'll between
2: learn. one and capitalist pig? How tan am I? Yeah, exactly. Like.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything. Nothing's off limits. <laughs> oh
2: gosh, I do this to myself. All right, yeah. I gotta go. I'll see you soon. Thanks see for coming out. Thank you. Bye. If you're after personal financial advice, this podcast is not for you. But if you do want a financial advisor or mortgage broker to talk with about your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, and we'll put you in touch with one of our trusted professionals.
4: This podcast supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out A21.org.au for more info. If you want some other giving options, or if you are unsure about which charity you can support, head to
3: alifeyoucansave.org.au
2: Thanks to Jess Knauss, producer, Nathan Robertson, editor, and me, Asher. Anyway, make sure you're connected via Instagram and our free Facebook group. We also film most of our content now, so check out My Millennial Money on YouTube.